Well, welcome back to the dinner table, friends. I'm so glad to have you here. And I'm also so glad to have my friend Lee McGinnis here with me today. Hi, Lee. Hi, Aislinn. Welcome to the dinner table. Well, thank you. We prepared for this a bit a while, a bit a while ago. I don't know what that means, a bit a while ago. Been looking forward to it for a few weeks now. Yeah. You and I had a really fun opportunity not too long ago. I did this weirdo thing where I just like texted you and said, hey, do you want to go see Asteroid City with me? And you were probably like, what? That's, <laughs> that was, person? yeah, it was of all people that I have, that I'm friends with on Facebook. The last thing I expected was, want to go to a movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, sure. Let's, let's go. It's Asteroid City. Okay. Wes Anderson. Yeah. Uh, I'm a if... huge fan of Wes Anderson. <laughs> I have begun, you know, just kind of reaching out to people, you know, and just saying there's things I like to do and I don't necessarily want to do them by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and here's the deal. I can drag my mom or my dad or my parents to go do anything with me, but I'm, you know, I'm a 44 year old woman. So I'm trying to yeah. like, like, Oh, I understand it. I was, <laughs> I was enthused, especially when you said, let's go see Wes Anderson. Cause it's something I didn't, I've never watched a Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movie. I've never seen one from start to finish. I just know who he is. Uh-huh. I know he's a fellow Texan, Uh huh. but that was the, you know, everybody's like, what? You haven't yeah. seen Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. You haven't seen... Uh, yeah. ho- you know, ho- Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes. Because I, I love Adrian Brody and they're yeah. like, you need to see it. I'm like, mm, okay. Moonlight Kingdom was one of my absolute favorites. That's, you know. Budapest Hotel was fantastic as well. I Yeah. I mean, the Royal, all of those that you're naming, they're all like some of the best. Visually, them. visually it is, a, he is a very unique director uh-huh. and I love what he does with the scenes. Yeah. I, you know, it's little vignettes. You know, yep. we saw Asteroid City and I highly recommend it. Uh-huh. It's kooky. Even if you haven't seen Wes Anderson movies before, you will laugh. And as much as you, I see, I didn't know this about you, but now that we've been chatting, I'm like, you have an interest in like space and rockets and just all kinds of interesting things like that. And yeah. so my dad called it ambush education. Yeah. You know, he, he knew to keep a young man's mind, you know, occupied. Uh huh. He would take me places that I would learn about in school, or I wouldn't. Uh huh. And he would take me and teach me. You know, I've been to Huntsville, Alabama. I've seen where you know the rockets for NASA are built and uh-huh. where they're tested. I've been to Los Alamos, New Mexico. Uh huh. I've, I've walked the same ground that Oppenheimer has. You know, uh-huh. strode. And matter of fact, I did that last March. I yeah. was in Los Alamos, and but yeah, it's. I was very happy that you reach out. You know. You reach out to me and I was able to go with you because mm-hmm. it was pleasant. It was so it much was, fun. It yeah. surprised me how <laughs> much I really liked that movie because I mean, it has Brian Cranston and you know, Jeff Goldblum and everybody in it. I was unaware of. I loved that. When we came out of the movie, you were like, that was like a whole ream of A-list. And I was like, yep, that's Wes Anderson. Oh, and that's Willem, how he does it. Willem Dafoe. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. Priceless. Yeah, it was, great. it was so much fun. I um, I really enjoyed it. It's I would have to say Asteroid City will be one of my tops of his, one of my favorites of his. Um, I love I love the color. I love the interesting. Just I, I don't even know how to explain it. The quirkiness of it. It was it was kind of like a uh, Norman Rockwell turned yes. on his ear kind of quirkiness because uh-huh. each little v- scene was a vignette like a like a saturday evening post uh-huh. you know picture and but it had that wes anderson kick to it and one of my favorite things was the the daughters that were like little witches the little the little oh yes <laughs> like three four and five year old girls that were like little witches don't touch her don't touch her <laughs> that was very shining i <laughs> i would i would be lying if i said it didn't disturb me just a little bit <laughs> I was like, that's those little girls. I think I had, I think I, I, sometimes I wonder, um, about me when I was that age, like, I, cause I'm definitely creep a little bit creepy as a like strange girl that would, my dad used to always talk about how I, we used to scare all my cousins with like spiders and stuff like that and like throw stuff on them. And so thinking about that and then watching, and I'm like, yeah, I think I was one of those creepy little girls that like was back then they would say that I was a little bit more of a tomboy, but now I'm like, no, I think I was a little witchy. That's why come play with us, Danny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very, it, very much. But uh, those, the little girls were hilarious. I liked the nerd kids. Uh huh. Yes. All, all their little projects. Uh-huh. And it, it was just, 
entertaining because I remember being awkward. Uh huh. I'm still awkward. <laughs> yeah. But all the best of us are. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I can I can appreciate where they're where they're at and how they didn't belong with their families because they were so they were so different than their parents. Yeah. But it was such a good movie. I, I I will hold off passing judgment on all other Wes Anderson movies until I've watched more because I still haven't seen any of the other Wes Anderson movies to be able to say whether it's my favorite. Okay. Well, so then I was like, okay, we need to have like a movie hour or something like that where we just like watch some Wes Anderson and Wes Anderson movies, lock into Wes Anderson movies. But then also when we were there, we saw the preview for Oppenheimer and everybody seems to want to see that. So that it, was really good. Oh, it, as a history, as a history geek and mm -hmm. somebody who loves, you know, World War II history and all the weird stuff that most people don't get taught about in school. Yeah. Actually having been to Los Alamos National Labs and been to Los Alamos, New Mexico and been to Alamogordo, the test range down there at White Sands and seeing these things. So I um, did this kind of with another friend too and was like, hey, you want to go do something? And he's like, yeah, let's go shark fishing. And I'm like, I've never been shark fishing. Before. Oh, more power to you. <laughs> yeah. like, mm, I and, saw Jaws. We're good. Yeah, I've heard that a few yeah. times. People that have like a straight up, like not interested in sharks. And you told me you were surf fishing. Yes. You were not in a boat. No, 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 no. You we were, were. Yeah. So, uh -huh. so I was actually in the water where the, the, I wasn't expecting to see a shark that day in all honesty, because it was super murky. No, nobody ever does. <laughs> so, that's famous, how it works. Famous last that's how words. It works. Yeah. That's um, the story I tell people about my leg, you know, cause I'm from the coast. So I'm like, like, what happened to your leg? I'm like, oh man, I was like a super surfer back when I was a kid. I got eaten by a shark. Well, no, actually I ran over my legs right in Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> cause I'm a country kid. That's what I actually am. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, I, uh, the, the water was real murky. So we went, um, six miles out on Padre Island National Seashore, which okay. is not really that far, actually, yeah. uh, just a little ways down. And, um, and then, you know, it's here I am kind of hanging out in the surf and I don't know anything about this whole experience. We didn't catch anything. We caught some hardhead catfish <laughs> and, um, state fish of Corpus Christi. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then some other kind of like white whiting, I think, I, I, I think I heard him say was a whiting and that was bait mm -hmm. as I understand it. And so he's got the bait poles with the bait on it. And then at one point he takes the, a bigger catfish that he's hung up on this massive hook thing. And then he was telling me about how, you know, they've redesigned the hooks and you're not allowed to use this kind of hook. You have to use this super rounded hook and that's yeah. because it gets stuck in their throats or More something humane. like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, how did y'all get the bait out? Did you cast it or did you? Okay. I mean, well, so, okay. So he was showing me, cause he apparently has experience like fly fishing and casting and has a lot of experience with that yeah. kind of stuff. So he was like showing me some kind of momentum cast and all kinds of demonstrations. Uh, yeah. But then he actually took his kayak out. And so uh, yeah. he actually like took his kayak out and dropped it and like went yeah. out a couple of bars, you yep. know, and dropped it out there. And then, so he's looking back at me and tell, he, he had told me, okay, you're going to have to help me out here. He's like, it's not going to be horrible if you don't, but if you could just like tighten it up a little bit, tighten it up. And I'm like sitting there, this ADHD kid going, I am not going to do this right. Like I'm going to forget. And he's going to be halfway back. And if you like the, the line's going to be all crazy, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. I uh, remember, I remember back in the, you know, years ago when we used to go out to Bob Hall Pier to go fishing, uh -huh. you would see the shark fishermen. Uh-huh. Giving the bait to the surfers. Uh-huh. And some of the surfers would paddle the bait out and drop the bait. That and makes I'm sense. Like, I had to ask my dad what they were doing because I didn't understand it, you know, but I'm And then you're like, how does that make sense? I'm terrified <laughs> of deep water, so I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> but yeah, you're you look like a seal. Uh-huh. And uh -huh. you now have bait. For for a shark. For a shark. In yeah. your hand. <laughs> you you are the biggest lure in the water <laughs> yes, right now. Exactly. I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's oof. I actually spoke about that, like, okay, because I grew up in the surf all mm -hmm. my life. Like, I, I'm not a surfer, but I have surfed. I know the surf. 
you know, I understand the tides. Um, I even mostly understand what to do if I got into trouble, you know, it's like, okay, you're going to end up on a bar far out and yeah. then you're going to wave at the coast guard when they come by to save you. Right. <laughs> like, you learn, you learn how to live on the coast. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I've had that experience with it or whatever. And, you know, shuffling your feet along on certain days because you don't want to get on a step on a stingray, you know, watching out for the jellyfish Rest and but you also know that you are swimming with sharks and yeah. five foot shark, you know, and tiger sharks. Yeah, definitely. Bonnet heads. Yeah. Yeah. Makos. No. All of them. Yeah. I, as, <laughs> I remember we went on a school trip once. We went to Bob Hall Pier and we were there and SeaWorld had brought down a trailer uh-huh. and they were catching sharks off Bob Hall Pier and putting them in this mobile aquarium trailer. Uh-huh. And if I'm, Almost 100% certain that's the day I decided I'm not going back in the water at Bob Hall Pier because of that. I was like, no, no. And See, it doesn't like it. Like, I don't feel that. I know they're there. Like, I've yeah. kind of always known they're there. I do certainly, I'm a female, and there's certain times where we're a little extra hormonal. Um, I do get a little paranoid when I go out during those times to just like potty in the water and then come back to the shore real quick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not sure I want to be out here right now, but generally I'm not afraid of them. And I don't, I mean, I, I, I try to, I, I, I try to believe that if I don't spend my energy being scared of something, that it doesn't come near me. Now it doesn't mean I haven't had lawnmower accidents, right? (laughs) Like, but the other side of it is, is that I also know that you can prepare for the scariest thing that you have in your mind that could happen. And that won't be the thing that happens. It'll be this other thing that you didn't prepare for that will happen. (laughs) And that's life, right? Exactly. You can't buy enough insurance to solve all the problems of what you could run into. But also I'm not going to put myself in that situation. But you're like, I'm not that guy though. So that was not for me. Yeah. I will, I will spend that energy fearing it for the rest of my life. It's like, I'm not going into deep water. It's like, it was the, the, the whole submarine thing going to the Titanic. I was like, I know how that ended. I don't need to go. We're good. <gasps> that story about that submarine, man. That is... <laughs> have you seen um, Triangle of Sadness yet? I know. Okay. I... Another movie you have to see is Triangle of Sadness. And it's about wealthy people that get a luxury yacht. And um, it's the whole story of what happens with them. And to prepare you, there are no sharks, but there is a really long vomiting and diarrhea scene like a really (laughs) i've lived that life before going out on the water so yeah well you should definitely check that one out because this would be the time speaking of like prophetic kind of like movies and tv shows that are coming out and then all of a sudden we're having like these things like where didn't we just watch that in a movie it's kind of like what i felt when i saw that happen with the submarine i was like i swear i just watched that movie (laughs) exactly i was and whenever i learned more about it i was like "Ooh, this is no we're good yeah (laughs) there's no chance whatever what about a spaceship would you go up in elon's spaceship Heck yes. I see. Heck see? yes. It's because if something happens, I'm not going to remember it. The, the, the upside is that like, what is it? Catastrophic, you know, implosion yeah. was, is like a millisecond. Yeah. Okay, fine. But it's a spaceship. Yeah. I want to be an astronaut. I mean, yeah, I've been a race. See, we pick and choose yeah. our I mean, like fears. I've been a race car driver. I've been a corrections officer. Uh-huh. It's, it's time to be an astronaut. And, you know. Coming from the generation that we are, when yeah. we witnessed the Challenger, yeah, still yeah. to this day, I'm like, yeah, I'd take a ride on that rocket I was <laughs> yeah. like, in a heartbeat. That's but crazy. because I just like that, the I like the G forces. I like that force against the body. I'll do anything once. <laughs> I'm that kid. Exactly. <laughs> my in my life, but you know, hey, I I went for a ride. It, yeah, exactly. When you came in, I was like, okay, well, what kind of music do you want to listen to? You said goth country. And I was like, I, I thought to myself as I was turning on the music, what the hell is goth country? And I was like, you know what? Let's turn on goth country. Let's see what this is about. Goth, I'm, I totally, I'm a fan of goth country. I had no idea. More people actually know goth country than, <laughs> than they think. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's just a, that one of those sub-genre things. Like, you know, I introduced you to uh, the, the Dead South. Yes. It was great, you guys. And Listen then, to the Dead South. And then you mentioned, you know, uh, Devil Makes the Three. Devil Makes Three. And I was like, Brown Bird. And then uh, mm-hmm. you've got a couple of Texas musicians like Uncle Lucius and Amigo uh-huh. the Devil, which I would recommend Amigo the Devil. He's okay. Got, 
He has a funny, oh God, I don't know if I can actually say funny song. <laughs> he has an interesting song about what would have happened if Jeffrey Dahmer left Wisconsin uh-huh. er, and moved to L.A. Uh-huh. And, oh. You know, it's it's a song. And Dahmer Does Hollywood is the name of the song. All right. All right. And it's interesting, but it's got a really cool beat to it. And then you get halfway through before you start realizing what you're listening to. Uh-huh. And that happens. But when I listen to music, I'm like, oh, this has got a really cool beat. Yeah. And then you start listening to the words and I'm like, yeah, we're not going to listen to this with their family around. But <laughs> right. yeah, it, it's, I, I was introduced to it, you know, from the wonderful world of the interwebs uh -huh. and they called it murder folk and goth country. Interesting. And that was, so it's like what, like, like bluegrass, but yeah. like, it's got a, it's got a, a folk. Yeah. Folk, bluegrass, uh -huh. these mandolins, banjo, stand up. So if you bases. like, like trampled by turtles, if oh, you, yes. you've probably heard of devil makes three, it's kind of in that same. Yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. I heard a band called, I, I want to say they were called the Salters and they were, a van load of hippie stinky kids that would come down to the old school Lotus Cup days. Um, tango when those of you that know of the Tango Tea Room or any, it was a super little hippie vibe in Corpus Christi. Water Street Village. Probably the only hippie, real hippie vibe Corpus Christi's ever had. Um, and the Salters would come down and play, and they played like almost like cult Christian music. <laughs> yeah, it, very very jars of clay. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it, jars it's, of clay. It, it's, it's it's stuff like that. It's like I don't know why everything has to be labeled again. Yes, yes, yes. However, I remember it because it got a goofy name. But yeah, it's I, I I'm glad you enjoyed it. it. It's it's it was one of those things that I was very happy to get introduced to. Yeah, so I've been having a lot of great adventures this last week, and actually got back into cooking a few different meals. I had gotten a little bit lazy there for a little while, just kind of. I don't know, getting used to what single life is going to be like and feeding myself and all of that. But it seems like there's a lot more people kind of recircling back around in my life. And so I had decided I wanted to make some spring rolls. I had bought shrimp from HEB and bought way more shrimp than I needed because I'm still thinking like a mom of four, you know, <laughs> yeah. feeding people. So I invited a friend over to make uh, shrimp spring rolls. I've never made that before. Um, I've now officially reintroduced rice because we had rice tonight oh, Yes, and I had the rice paper rolls that you use for making the spring rolls. And then I cooked the shrimp. So all that stuff was ready. And then all we had to do was prep all the different vegetables. So I had some cabbage. I had the pretty purple onion from the garden or red onion from the garden. I had some carrots still from the garden. Um, I cut up some different melons. We had figs. I'm trying to think of what else was all just different kinds of, oh, peppers from the garden. So like sweet peppers, hot peppers, all the different things. And then we just stood there over the nice bar. You notice yeah. our, yeah. So uh, nice. I have a perfect kitchen for having these types of things, for having yeah. people over. And I'm not going to lie. I was a little upset whenever I saw that spring rolls was written down. I was like, she didn't say spring rolls. I'm excited. <laughs> and then you just went into the conversation about how you made it for your other friend. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what do I have to do spring roll making party? What do I have to do to rate getting spring rolls? I mean, it's shrimp spring rolls. Yeah. Like, I like, I mean, I'm very happy with the bindi masala. <laughs> yeah. and, but there's, a, I saw spring rolls. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, little fat boy. I mean, he's like, we're going to have spring rolls and we're going to have masala. This is everything I've always wanted. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I have to tell you that I'm not like, this is the thing I noticed between me and the other person. Their spring rolls were perfect. Like they could go into spring roll making business. I mean, perfectly folded. Cause have you ever done anything with the spring roll paper before? The closest I've ever gotten is making a lumpia. Okay. It's well, so, but thin. you fry it, right? Yeah, After they fry you, it. okay. Yeah. So you dip it in water. It's this big sheet, right? You dip it in water and then you have to lay it down on a, like a wet towel because mm -hmm. it gets real sticky oh. while you're making your yeah. stuff. And you don't want to, it's not like a burrito, you guys. You don't like stuff it and stuff it and stuff it. I would make such a mess. <laughs> like, I made a huge there's, there's mess. No way. But yeah. the stuff is so sticky that you can kind of just make it work. So I just had these like ginormous like 
burrito like rat and he had these like perfectly folded sides and it was all like neat and Show everything up. i know <laughs> yeah mine mine probably would have looked like little rice paper trash bags yes, at the end yes of that's kind of what mine looked like. like there you go but they tasted amazing yeah. I even made a, um, so you don't, I couldn't, I can't do peanuts. Like that one I've discovered as I was reintroducing things, I learned that peanuts are a problem. Um, so I can't make peanut sauce. So I made a different sauce that, um, was basically like using the cocoa aminos that I use. And, um, you also can use like tapioca starch, cassava mm -hmm. flour starch or whatever. So any of the grain free, uh, yeah. flours that I can use and just stirred that up with some of the red wine vinegar that we used in our salad tonight. Tangy. So we had this, you know, and then some of the heat and then I just, and I actually used a lot of like the Thai chili spice in it and, mm -hmm. um, Oh, like Thai red curry, I think in it. Yeah. It was a great little sauce. You can make sauces so easily, like your own recipe. Was it more of a, was it uh, a thicker, like it was a creamier thick. sauce? Yeah. Or, mm -hmm. oh, it was a little thick, that. like peanut, peanut sauce. It, that's, that's one of, that's one of my, the things I'm, I'm not a big fan of whenever I go to an Asian restaurant or something is like, I don't like soy sauce. Oh, right. It's not because I don't like the flavor. It's thin. I need it to stick. Uh-huh. Yeah. It yeah. Is, and I have an allergy. I have a small allergy to peanuts. Okay. So, so I can't, you know, Have peanut sauce. But I'll put some peanut sauce on my <laughs> on my boon bowl from Hudak. Nice. You, you can bet there's going to be peanuts on that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I gotta have a thick sauce. It's got, you know. Yeah. And the spicier, the better. Yeah. If, if I'm not sweating under my eyes. You would have liked this one then. Oh, yeah. So I then you take that and it's got all this like, it's got this shrimp, right? Oh, and the shrimp that I got from H-E-B were really good shrimp. Like they had. So it's a good size shrimp. They were nice. Grew up in the bluff. People have baits. <laughs> That's so. I so what I'm what you're telling me is that I missed really good spring rolls that uh -huh. you made with a fantastic sauce. Sauce that didn't have peanuts in it, and I wasn't invited. <laughs> Next time, okay. I promise. I'm yeah. making a lot of promises. By the way, I've noticed <laughs> in the podcast world, there's like all these people waiting for their next invitation. Yeah. And we were talking about it today, and I've talked about it enough. Like, I feel like I need to have just a dinner party. I don't know if it'll actually end up in a podcast, but it'll have be fun to get all our friends together and have a nice dinner party and yeah. cook like all kinds of interesting things or the best of not eating. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, you didn't get to have this. This was for the, ha -ha. This was for ha -ha. the, the customer. Yeah. So then we did a, a, another thing where we um, went by natural grocers uh, last night and picked up this meat. It's a force of nature, ancestral blend bison from Georgia. And it has, liver and heart in it and so we made a hash out of that and um the hash that we made it was with a tromboncino squash which i had like a half a tromboncino in my refrigerator that i needed to use and everybody knows about the tromboncino because i talk about that all the time that's the only reason i knew what you're talking about yeah I was like, she started using words i know yeah. i know what that vegetable is because she's mentioned it almost every week i'm the tromboncino lobbyist that it, figs yeah yeah <laughs> if i grow it roselle everybody knows about roselle too if i grow it i'll tell you how to use it the tromboncino with this blended um ancestral blend and it like i said it's force of nature so they're a regenerative farm out of georgia and then it also was the cabbage that was left over that we had made and some of the fresh onions and it was a super super the one pot you said your dad called it the cowboy dish. Yeah. And you're like, that makes perfect sense to me because my uncle, who was a cowboy, but also was a welder and welded all over the country, mm -hmm. he the, he's the one that taught me about almost the the, the one pot. Yeah. yeah. Cowboy cooking. Uh -huh. like you open the fridge. I was like, mm -hmm. my dad would either say it was cowboy cooking or it was poking grits. Uh-huh. I was like, what's for dinner? Poking grits, boy. What's that? You poke your feet under the table and grit your teeth. <laughs> have no idea yeah, dad was from the ozarks i have no idea but since i was a kid poking grits if you ask him poking grits he's like you'll get fed what you get fed but if you asked him poking grits if you sit around my house long enough you will hear some really probably um inappropriate uh catchphrases mm -hmm. of <laughs> oh yeah southern catchphrases we probably shouldn't be saying anymore but we're still saying oh, yeah. um my grandmother was like i don't know if i want to say the word worst but she said all kinds of things all the time like the the one that comes to my mind right now that's so beautifully inappropriate sweating like a whore in church oh, <laughs> she yeah. used to always say that all the yeah. time that's, that has that has been uttered around my house. It was, it was along the lines of the nervous as a cat in a, or 
room, a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Or that. <laughs> cra- you know, crazier than a stump full of bastard owls or nuttier than a squirrel turd. Or, yeah, know, that. Those <laughs> things. My family's like that. Yeah. It's, you know, my, we, I got. I, Bigger I got, than a goat's ass. <laughs> shining, shining like a diamond in a goat's ass, which I never understood. But my dad, see, my dad was 30 years in the Navy. Uh-huh. But he grew up in the Ozarks. And so we got a nice blend of Sailor Jerry and Bubba Ray. And so Mountain it, Man. Yeah. It, it was it was interesting because he would pick these things up and then he would just kind of pick and choose what he wanted to add. And so you never knew what was gonna happen. But was, nothing was off limits. But he had some he definitely had some interesting phrases that he would he would turn on us. Well, you didn't get any other wine tonight because you brought the <laughs> You brought the drink tonight. Yes, I brought mead. You brought mead, and it was great, by the way, which we'll have to have a sip of the... You brought two varieties, Mm -hmm. and then I pulled out two because we have beekeepers, beehive here, so they had given me some mead um, back in October. Um, We'll have to, after we get off, jump off the podcast here in a little bit, we'll have to have the after dinner drink will be the one that you made with coffee in it. That's the... uh, Or the one that was made with coffee in it. Javahala. It's mm-hmm. uh, the one that we had beforehand, which was our starter, which was the uh, skull, which was the hibiscus lavender mm-hmm. uh, mead with currant and maple syrup, mm-hmm. I believe was in there, along with locally sourced honey from Sandia, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends owned a, or had uh, some beehives. So mm-hmm. Lost Oaks on the Oasis was there. Mm-hmm. Was I there. remember them. They came to the farmer's market a few times. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that, it was a honey from theirs. It was wildflower honey. And the Javahala is actually made with a mesquite honey. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit darker to start with. Yeah. And then with coffee, for the life of me, I can't remember what coffee I gave my buddy Mike (laughs) to to use, but he, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, of the three that we drank, so we drank um, the one you brought first, which Mm -hmm. was the lavender hibiscus one. Mm -hmm. And then we drank two versions i don't remember what they told me they were made with but two of the versions from my friends and they're actually going to be on the podcast next week as a matter of fact fantastic <laughs> That's fun timing um i actually liked the one that you i really liked it a lot i thought it was really good yeah i yeah. mean it's, it's not something a lot of people are used to mm-hmm. with mead but i know with your natural and your healthy you know Mm-hmm. what you're going for and what you can and can't drink. I'm like, oh, there's nothing more organic than you yeah. know, locally sourced honey and then yeast and water. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, my friend, Mike, one of my customers from the cafe made these for me. I provided the honey and he made the, he made the mead and would bring it. So I was like, and I told you when we went and saw the movie, I was like, I have some mead. You know, like, yes. bring it. I was like, okay, yes. I can do that for you. Yes. But I'm, I'm glad you liked it. It was, it was a little sweet. Yeah, but the the other two that your other friends that have the hives out here, mm-hmm. those were I mean, super clean and crisp. Yeah, they were. I mean, it's it honey water, mm-hmm. and it's dangerous. Uh huh. Yeah. It's, the the <laughs> one I brought does have a little bit of a punch to it. Uh huh. Those were oh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's just like nectar. Uh huh. I'll drink a bottle of that in a heartbeat. Yeah, and we had to taste it next to while we were preparing. Mm-hmm. You cut up all of our okra for us, yes. so we made a bendy masala tonight. Which, for you Southern folks, that's okra and tomatoes with Indian flavored seasonings in it, basically. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was fantastic. I, I love the uh, the different varieties of okra that you uh-huh. provided. You know, I, I was commenting on the cross section of some of the okra. It looked like yeah. star fruit. And yeah, it, it was visually. It I was think actually the closest hybrid. Mine is a hybrid because I grow all my stuff and then I let the seeds grow and almost every year I'm going to end up with that same looking from mm-hmm. the reseeds. I'm going to end up with that same variety. Uh, and it's a mixture because I grow uh, burgundy okra. I grow the spineless, the long spineless one. And then I've grown a hill country version of one and then one called star of David. And so I think it's the closest, the one that I can call the closest variety uh, to what the hybrid is, is, is that star of David. And you did such a good job when you cooked it because it didn't get gooey. gooey. It, yeah. it had, it still had a little bit of bite to it. Uh-huh. It was, you know, had a good flavor. And do you grow, how close are the peppers that you grow to the okra? Um, I, they're around. Okay. It, it was a hot when you did no, it before. I could smell it. Oh, I yeah. Could, you know, whenever, uh, you saw me when I was cutting it, I picked a couple pieces up and I kind of, uh-huh. I kind of smelled it Yeah. because I could smell peppers. I could smell chilies and I'm like, nice. It's, it's just, you know, it takes on some of what you grow it around 
but it was such a good dish and the flavors worked so well together. I've gotten to the point where I don't, I don't really tell the guests unless some guests have like, they want to come cook something for mm -hmm. me. But, um, I don't usually tell people what I'm cooking. Cause I just, I cook, mm -hmm. I will sometimes ask like, you know, are you okay with meat or, you know, like, like, or, or someone like me would say, I don't eat meat or I need, you know, whatever. And they'll tell me something. And so then we'll switch it up. But generally, so, and I know a lot of people don't like okra. So I didn't even ask. I was just like, we're making bindi masala. <laughs> My, it was, oh, it was so good. Whenever, whenever you told me what we were making, I actually looked it up because I've had tikka masala and uh -huh. you know, the, the general stuff that most people are familiar with. But I looked at it and I didn't tell you this, but my dad had tried to grow a little hobby garden out in the bluff whenever I was growing up. And that's when my love of okra started because he couldn't grow anything except okra. Of course. Yeah. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it was just, it was okra. And uh -huh. so we, we had lots of, and I love Cajun food. I love uh -huh. anything with okra. I love okra too. But it's one of my favorites. It was, I mean, it was done so well. Yay. It was done so well. So it was um, a pound and a half of really pretty okra. Um, we used tomato paste. I also wanted to add in some fresh tomatoes. So we cut up some of my fresh tomatoes coming out of the garden. One of my fresh onions, we used ginger, garlic. It called for corn oil. I'm not using corn oil. So I used olive oil instead. Uh, it called for Kashmiri red chili powder. Instead, I used some of my hot red chili. Didn't put a bunch in it. It had a tiny bit of spice, but not much at all. It was, it was perfect. It was slow. It was just a slow little simmer on the back of the tongue. Nice. It was great. Turmeric powder, garam masala. It also called for fenugreek leaves, which I think were actually for like a, a topping, a dressing yeah. topping, the cilantro as well. I didn't have either one of those, so I didn't put those in, but I used the, um, the, uh, it called for a vegan yogurt. I used coconut yogurt. You guys know I'm using that. Mm -hmm. And then cumin powder, coriander powder. The coriander powder was fresh from my own coriander that I harvest. And the smell was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, but, the, oh. It was really nice. It was so nice. Yeah. Super easy to cook, you guys. The longest part of it was prepping and cutting things up. And so otherwise, it was really pretty easy for us to make tonight. The longest part of it was me making sure I ended prep with the same number of fingers I started prep with. <laughs> because you let me have a knife. <laughs> you were quite yeah. meticulous, I noticed. I, oh, yeah. I'm Seeing you at the coffee shop and just chatting up with you or whatever, that um, our common interest was like road tripping and hiking and so as we came out of the asteroid city movie we're i wanted to show you that i'd been building out the back of my truck so that i can go on this long road trip that i'm going on so on august august 1st i'm traveling from corpus christi texas round trip all the way to michigan and then back and i'm doing it in 14 days and so as soon as i started telling you that story you were like oh my gosh i've got to tell you everything and <laughs> Well, what you're doing to the back of your truck and what you you had your what your father has done with the build out is yeah. fantastic. I mean, it, I've slept in some cars, uh -huh. but that's a pretty cool setup that you've got going on over there. Yeah. It's, I mean, I imagine after 14 days you're going to be tired of it. Oh, sure. Yeah. However, it's I mean, it's a camper without a camper. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, what happened one day was I kept saying like, I just need a van so that I can go get on the road. And then I kept saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Michigan mm -hmm. because I was talking to my friend Jess about, I was like, oh, I'm just going to, I guess I'll just go on a road trip around Texas. And she's like, you need to go up there where Tommy, my friend, Tommy, that comes down in the wintertime. Yeah. She's from Michigan. You need to go where Tommy's at. And I was like, okay. And I mentioned to my dad, I'm going to, I'm going to Michigan in, in my van. Cause he had already said, well, you're, you're Yukon. You could, you don't need a van. You've got a Yukon, like yeah. the same thing, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to Michigan. And he's like, you need to find somebody to go with you. And I'm like, no, I'm going to Michigan. So then I kind of put it in the back burner and just kind of let it float around. And then a few days later I went and I sat down and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to Michigan. And he goes, you don't need my permission. And I was like, thank you, dad. <laughs> like, exactly. So he's building out the back for me, or he already built out the back for me. It's got a little bitty platform on the bottom that just kind of makes it nice. And it's kind of carpeted or whatever. And then a box that is turned into basically like, like a personal locker. It's mm -hmm. got a lid so I can store, I'm going to store like my clothes and things that can be like hidden away. And I don't want to accidentally get wet or knocked out or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. yeah it looks pretty cool. 
So it's got that. And then it's got a place where I can slide in a table. It's perfectly like measured. So he's got a table that fits perfectly down inside there. And then it's also got this wall built up where it's kind of got a little storage cubby to where I can kind of just shove some stuff back. And then the reflectix on the windows, mm -hmm. that's already gone up. And then I'm getting um, some more window shades for the front part. I'm getting 18 inch. Um, I think they're, I think you can get them at like Home Depot. Everybody knows them. They're the black storage containers with the yellow lids, yep. the 18 inch ones. I can fit four of those nicely down the side. So I've got like a utility box, a kitchen box, a pantry box, and then probably like a shower box, like a bathroom shower kind of like each thing that I need in there. Then I can slide two nice size, two or three nice size ice chests in, um, place for the dog, you know, up there in the front, you know, yeah. um, so I'm kind of trying to make a list of all the different things. But then as I started talking to you and pretty much everybody else, it's like, okay, well, how are you going to go about this? You know, where are you stopping at? So the plan is it's Austin, Dallas, and then Arkansas. And so I'm staying in like a hip camp type place in Arkansas up near Bentonville, which yes. I've never been to Bentonville, but I think I'll be able to make it through Bentonville. Love Bentonville. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the home of Walmart. It's, <laughs> it's also, it's also the uh, home of Onyx coffee labs. Ah, it's, I was going to ask you where are all the best coffee places along my route here. Uh, Onyx coffee labs. If you're going through Bentonville, you stop at Onyx coffee labs. Okay. Uh, Andrea, she's one of the owners, one of the founders. She competes in the United States coffee championships every year. They have fantastic. I mean, they source their own Onyx coffee. coffee labs. Yeah. I, I can, I'll send you the. Okay. Because it, it's right, it's right in downtown Bentonville. Uh huh. Uh, the one I go to, it's like their flagship store. But nice. I recommend Onyx Coffee Labs for one, they're my friends, and two, fantastic coffee. Love it. I'm, I'm. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. Is like, um, just these little spots that you like stop along the way. And I don't really have any like major plans. The biggest major plan I have, of course, is making sure I have a place to sleep each night. Not that mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a bed because my bed's in the back of my car some of the nights, but just a place where my car can safely park. Mm -hmm. You know, female on the road that's never done anything like this before. I'm paying most places, state parks, hip camp, you know, that kind of thing, trying to yep. stay in, in places that I know I'll be safe. I'm stopping at Baker Creek Heirloom when I go through Missouri. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's on the, that's on the map. <laughs> Can I say it now? Can I say it now? Yes. Are you going to stop in Uranus? Only if you're going to let me stop in Uranus. <laughs> Such a good stop. What? Yeah. Uranus, Missouri. It's uh, on the- I hear you can get the best fudge in Uranus. The best fudge <laughs> comes from Uranus. It's, they have shirts. <laughs> they have shirts and- everything you can possibly want it's on old route 66 between uh st louis and springfield it is not i'm gonna stop in your anus you can you, <laughs> you can't miss it it's must see okay but yes it, it's it, it's a fun it's a it's a fun little stop the puns they uh -huh. they know what they have of course and yeah they have built so much around it, it it's <laughs> it is a, i mean it's i'm a kid uh -huh. it's a giant fart joke and uh -huh. that's what that stop is it, they have a they have a sideshow museum there they have like the world's largest frying pan is there and nice then they have the gift shop where you can get all the, the straight out of uranus shirts uh-huh it's like straight out of compton uh-huh they have the straight out of uranus shirts love it i took my family to branson for spring break uh -huh. uh, two years ago and i drove three and a half hours just to go there i saw it on the travel channel uh-huh and i was like we're going to go because we were going to Springfield anyways, because uh -huh. my, fa my father and family is from the Springfield area, Ozark and all that. And so I was like, it's halfway between here and St. Louis. We have to go. And they literally thought I was lying to them. They did not think this was a real place until we got to the first sign uh -huh. that said Uranus four miles ahead. Uh -huh. And then when we pulled in and I told them, I was like, I was a kid in a candy store. Literally, there's a candy store in there. <laughs> <laughs> and it is the Uranus Fudge Factory. Love it. And it's good fudge. Not lying. It's good fudge. <laughs> but it's just just for the stop. I'm just enjoying the idea of being on the road. My mom says that I've been dreaming about being on the road all my life. And then just being able to pull off and see whatever. And I mean, I always had that freedom. But it, when you're on your own, it's just like a completely different kind of freedom to just the windshield therapy. Windshield I mean, therapy. I love that too. We're naturally nomadic people. I yeah. mean, deep down, yeah. we're we're travelers, whether we're doing it spiritually, whether we're doing it physically. Uh-huh. You know, I just my travels manifest physically where I want to go somewhere. 
Yeah. It's like, I would, I travel for my birthday every year. Mm -hmm. I want, I just go out and get some windshield time. Yep. You know, a little blacktop therapy and you're driving, just have the hum of the road underneath your tires and nobody's bothering me. Yeah. I cannot wait. And I, and it really has been a dream all of my life to be able to just get on the road and just figure this out. And I've always had this thing inside of me that was like, well, you're a woman, you can't do that kind of like, uh, there's a book out, uh, walk across America. I want to say it's, I can't think of the, the author of it. I read several of the books, but that was the first one. And he wrote it like in the late seventies. And he was a kid that was straight out of Connecticut, which mm -hmm. is like the story. Everybody's out of Connecticut and they, you know, they just go off and whatever. But, um, it was, he was, hi he was hiking across America and he was just like, he had a tent and it, he stopped, he would just stop in places. Well, you can't even do that in the United States anymore. Yeah. Everything is owned, fenced. You're not safe to just stop. They refer to it as stealth camping. Yeah. And I, I didn't understand the concept of stealth camping until I started researching hiking uh -huh. the Appalachian trail. And I, I looked it up. I think you were the one that told me that word stealth camping. Yeah. And I started looking it up. It's an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sad mm -hmm. because I mean, who, who wants to think of the United States being entirely privately owned where right. it, there, there are no places where you can just, you yeah. know, I think I'm just, I think I'm just going to pick up right here and just, you know, chill out for the day. Or even if like, even if it was all privately owned back then and it's privately owned that you, that you, that you got in, tr you get in trouble for it. Like people will run you off. Yeah. You now it's like, I don't know, just that, that kind of freedom. I mean, I'm not saying I disagree with like, I don't even know how I feel about it politically yeah. in all honesty, but the truth of the matter is, is that I'm just like, oh, the freedom to be nomads, yeah. you know, that like, you're right. There's an, there's an innateness inside of us. It's just like, you know, wanderers and. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that gypsy nature, that gypsy nature that that's inside all of us. And whenever you get out there and you have a bunch of different types of hikers, you have your weekend hiker, which is what I consider myself these days. But then you have your serious hikers that are long trail hikers mm -hmm. that do the Continental Divide Trail, that do the Pacific Crest Trail. You were discussing the book Wild uh -huh. a, a couple episodes ago. And that's the movie with Reese Witherspoon yeah. where she hiked. That was a, that was a PCT. That was, okay. That's the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, Bill Bryson wrote uh, Walk in the Woods. Walk and see, I didn't want to get, okay, so yeah. the guy that wrote the one I read, Walk Across America, is Peter Jenkins. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, Bill Bryson wrote Walk in the Woods. They mm -hmm. made a movie with Robert Redford mm -hmm. and Nick Nolte in it. I've watched, but, I mean, I've seen every one of those movies. I've read most of the books. Yeah. If there's somebody that's done the pilgrimage, I, I, I watched that. Like, that's yeah. who I am. Yeah. It's, and, and there's, I've got a whole bunch of books written by people that actually, that hiked the trails mm -hmm. and they decided just to write these self-published books. And mm -hmm. it's like, uh, you can't get there from here and AWOL on the trail, uh, which I think you'd enjoy, uh -huh. but you meet these people and you realize it's kind of a kindred spirit. You know, yeah. when I was, when I att attempted my through hike and this was back in 2020. So I got on the trail before the pandemic, Uh huh. eight days in, I broke my leg. And we were discussing this earlier, it, you know, and you even mentioned it. It's like, says you prepare for things, but it's right. that thing you can't prepare for yeah. that's going to get you. And I broke my leg eight days in and everybody's like, oh, that, that had to hurt. I was like, that wasn't the worst part. The uh -huh. worst part was I had to hike eight and a half miles on a broken leg to get somewhere where I could get a ride to a hospital. Holy shit. How did you, okay. First of all, how did you break your leg? Uh, I was actually, it was early enough in the day. Well, before lunch, I was coming down off a mountain. I was hiking with this brother and sister duo, uh, older couple, uh, -huh. uh, the brother, he had actually through hiked two years prior. And so his sister, Sharon was actually attempting her first through hike uh -huh. and she's roughly, I say roughly my mother's age. Uh -huh. So she's very matronly and uh -huh. sweetheart. And we've been together for like three, four days at this point. So uh -huh. we kind of knew each other. Uh -huh. And so I was hiking with her because you hike your own pace uh -huh. and we were slow on poking pace. it. We were, yeah. we were on yeah. pace. And so we were coming down off the mountain and it rained every day. Mm -hmm. Every day I was on trail, it rained. It was, you know, early March. So there was no sunshine. And as we were coming down, she lost her footing. And when she lost her footing, I grabbed hold of her backpack to hold her up. And when I grabbed hold of her backpack, my 
right, my right foot was in a crack. Uh huh. And I lost my footing with my left foot. Uh huh. And I twisted. Ah, uh, wow. And then there was just, I, you know, I felt the pop. Yeah. And I didn't think much of it. I think, okay, great. I just twisted my knee. You know, uh-huh. There wasn't like instant pain. It wasn't a compound fracture. It wasn't anything like you'd see. You know, it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't uh-huh. catastrophic. Uh huh. But it didn't feel good. Right. And I sucked it up. I was like, you know, that machismo, yeah. that macho yeah. man. Well, what, she, kind of. What else are you gonna do at first, too? Yeah. I mean, and, like, and, and she's and Sharon. I didn't tell Sharon until until COVID shut down the trail. Uh huh. Sharon hiked another three weeks. Uh-huh. Before I even told her I was off trail. She thought I was behind her somewhere. Uh-huh. But I didn't bother telling her that, yeah, I broke my leg. It's, it's this it was more severe than we thought. Yeah. Because after it happened, I got to the bottom of the got to the bottom of that mountain, that little section, mm-hmm. and her and her brother went on their way. So, okay, tell me how this happened. You 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 heard it, right? Mm-hmm. And you knew it was hurt. Did you stop and then get going again and then get like like once I got to the bottom of that, once I got down to the, to the bottom of the mountain the, uh-huh. where it leveled out, I say the bottom, it was not the bottom. But once I got to a spot where I could actually sit down, I sat down and other hikers, it is not like people think you're out there and you're all by yourself. You're not, you might have, a yeah. mile, you might have a mile or two between you and the next group of hikers or the next hiker, Uh huh. but you're not a hundred percent alone. Right. And so being the macho person that I persona that I think that I thought I was at that time. Uh, these two, uh, Mel and Melanie is cousins out of Canada that I had there was a tattoo artist and the other one was like marketing sweethearts, you know, both of them, they came up and they're, you know, are you okay? I was like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm just taking a break. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And so they're like, okay. And went on their way. And then one of the other guys I was hiking with Matt, he had a service animal. Mm-hmm. He was a, he had, you know, suffering from PTSD. He was, a, you know, he was a Marine. Mm-hmm. He's hiking the trail for recovery, for trauma. Just, you know, he was out there doing this for himself. Mm-hmm. Well, he was hiking with his Rottweiler, Bodai. And Bodai is a sweetheart. Had her own vest. Mm-hmm. Had a first aid kit. And Bodai came up and over and just came bounding down. And then she went back and then Mike, you know, Matt came down. And he's like, you okay? And I was like, no. Yeah. I was like, no. And so I pulled my pant leg up. Matter of fact, the pants I'm wearing right now <laughs> are the pants I broke my leg in, but I pulled my pant leg up and he was, you know, we were looking at it. He's like, Oh, that's not good. It was swelling. It yeah. was, you know, it, I thought I just really, really screwed it up. Right. And so I started all the ibuprofen I had, uh-huh. chug some water and we're three and a half miles to the next shelter. Yeah. I still had three and a half miles to walk. Uh-huh. And side note, Never text your mother. I think I screwed my knee up when you're hiking in the mountains and you're not going to have reception. Uh huh. Right. No. Because when yeah. you do get reception, there's 8,000. Yeah. Yeah. It just goes yes. off. So, I just had a recent experience with my daughter where I didn't realize she was off grid yeah. completely and I started freaking out and like she had like a thousand texts probably by yeah. the time she you don't think You don't think about that. Yeah. It's just one of those things. I was like, I didn't think anything. I was like, oh, I screwed up my knee. Uh-huh. Talk to you later. Boop, uh-huh. gone. And so we hiked, I hiked to the, we hiked to the next uh, shelter and, you know, spent the night. Well, I had five and a half miles to hike, to get to the town, to wow. get my knee looked at. And that was the longest day, but yeah. I did, I did meet a really cool guy, a trail angel as they're called uh-huh. uh, Broadway Billy. Uh-huh. Um, he said for a case of beer, he'd drive me into, you know, drive me into the hospital. Uh-huh. It's a university of North Georgia is uh-huh. where, is where we were headed. And I was like, okay, cool. And I'm like, I'll buy you a case of beer. I used to do that for my friends. Buy Mm -hmm. a case of beer for driving somewhere. I thought he was going to wait till we were like not on the road to drink it. Oh. (laughs) This is, then it dawned on me, this is North Georgia. (laughs) And this F-150 pickup truck he had, I don't know how it's, it had Oregon plates. (laughs) The registration was expired. You couldn't open the passenger side door from the, from the outside. And he is rattling down these hills, <laughs> drinking a beer. <laughs> and I was like, I appreciate it. He even got me a hotel room. Uh-huh. You know, he, he made sure I was taken care of. Yeah. It, but yeah, it's a, uh, you meet those kindred spirits and that's the best part about traveling. Yeah. Right? And uh, like I said, I, broke, I can't wait. I really can't. You're going to, you're going to have a great time. Yeah. yeah. It, and, and it's what you're doing is a completely different subculture. 
uh-huh. in in the hiking and traveling part is like that the van camping and yeah. you know the the stealth camping where they're it doesn't look like anything other than you know a truck a suburban yeah, yeah. but it's so yeah. much more so i'm doing that and then i'm um so i'm not going to do any well we'll probably do a little bit of hiking when i get up to michigan we're going to go to the sleeping bear dunes um it there that's a state park and it's got hiking trails so i'm sure sure i'm gonna do some hiking there i love to hike by the way so that like i said talking to you about all of that it's like um i just want to learn from people that have done more you know um i want to do some sectionals i would like to do um that kind of thing i would love to do a pilgrimage too um well you yeah i remember you had mentioned something about wanting to do a section hike of the smokies mm -hmm. and i'm like they have a firefly festival in North Carolina. Uh-huh. That's there at the Smokies. And and yeah. I was like, that's one of my things. It's like I want to do the Smoky Mountains. It's 78 miles uh -huh. of the Appalachian Trail is through the Smokies. Uh-huh. And it starts at Fontana Dam, but they have a Firefly Festival because yeah. it's one of the only places in the world where the fireflies, fireflies are at. They yeah. no, they're synchronized. Oh. They flash at the same time. That's cool. And so yeah. but yeah, I mean, I love I love it when people want to do stuff like that because it's it's not common these days. Yeah. And the people. That's like, all I want to do. Like, yeah. really. Like, if I could just. And, and I am trying to figure it out with the podcast and the Patreon and the writing of the book. Trying to figure. Like, I'm trying to figure it out. This kind of grounded wanderer concept where it's like. And, and if you think about somebody that has a farm. Well, how are they ever going to leave the farm? Well, I want to figure out how to be the grounded wanderer. Somebody that can ha be that grounded but also still have this ability to be like a nomad and a, and a yeah. gypsy when I feel like it, or when I can make it make sense, you know, and figure out how to do that because it's, 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 it is in me to, and I, I want to meet people and I want to have experiences and I don't, I don't love like being inside a lot. And yep. so I want to, I still, but I still want to meet people. Right. So you're describing this thing where you just like go along and you're hiking and then you meet new people and then you get to know those people and then you, Become best friends for a few days and you yep. just keep hiking that sounds like heaven to me well when you figure it out you can teach the rest of us how to do it <laughs> yes, you know? exactly like, like i had a farm and i still did this that's what i want yeah. that's that's my goal in life i swear well i'll buy the book and we we had met you had mentioned too we'd met um at a um a beer tasting but then we also met at a friend's like farm to table she was doing mm -hmm. some wild game farm to table yeah. stuff hung out there but mostly we're our initiation or conversations have been and at the cafe at the cafe yes. cafe calypso and so everybody that knows lee knows him from cafe calypso most likely more, <laughs> around more than, here anyway more than yeah. likely yes yeah it's, i am the familiar face behind the bar but it's i mean i i love coffee that's I, what i was gonna say you've talked to me about coffee before i have i've spent i've gone to classes to learn how to extract espresso and i've I went to Kansas City to learn how to work on the equipment. Um, I've gone to a lot of like coffee festivals. I went to the one in San Antonio. I've been one in Seattle. Uh, next year, it's actually in Chicago, mm. um, which is the big one. The United States Coffee Expo is in Chicago next year. And that's where, yes, there is a national competition for baristas. Mm -hmm. I will never compete. <laughs> uh, however, Onyx Coffee Labs, the crew I mentioned to you earlier, they do compete uh -huh. in the roasters, brewers, and baristas uh, uh -huh. cup. And, but why uh, won't you compete? Oh no, <laughs> no, it's they're serious. Uh huh. Like I am a. Well, what's in the competition? What do you do? I am a hobby coffee person. Uh huh. Um, in the barista series for the U.S. Barista Championships. Oh God, I'm probably going to get this wrong, and there's probably yo. Know, my friends that I'm going to tell to listen to this are going to be like, you're so wrong about what's in there. Um, <laughs> you have to make uh, three drinks. Uh -huh. I believe it's three drinks. The first one's a uh, cappuccino or no, the first one's like a shot of pull a shot of espresso. Just, and you're explaining to the judges. It's a panel of five judges. I think three of them judge. I can't remember because it's so intimidating just to watch these guys compete in the, 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 the guys and, and gals that compete in these competitions dedicate hours. It's like the Olympics of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, they know everything about the beans that they're, you know, they're preparing. They bring their own beans, which I think is not cool. Uh, mm -hmm. one year they had a barista that, uh, he was using 
coffee beans that were like $60, no, $100 a pound. Uh He was freezing them in liquid nitrogen before he ground them. Because whenever you freeze the beans and then you grind it, you get a more even fracture Uh for the bean. Okay. And so it gets an even extraction. Okay. All super serious. I had to call my algebra teacher from junior high and apologize to her for saying I would never use algebra in my life. Nah. <laughs> because I walked, you and every other person on oh, this planet. <laughs> I walked. I walked into that barista you know, certification class and it was just parabolas drawn <laughs> on dry erase boards, and you're solving for x because you got this temperature of water and this amount, you know, this weight of espresso beans and these pressures and you know nine hemispheres and millibar. I mean, what is this? I was like, I just want to learn how to make coffee, bro. That's it. <laughs> but at you know, you have the barista deal, so you pull the shot, you make a latte or a, or a cappuccino, and you're explaining your coffee to the judges uh-huh. at the entire time. You're explaining what you're doing, which I can't do that. <laughs> and then you make a signature drink. Uh-huh. It's your signature drink. It's a drink that you serve at your cafe that nobody else has. And that's when the cool stuff comes out. Oh, yeah. It, it's... That's whenever the chef is let off the leash uh-huh. and it's like, this is whenever you get to do what you want to do. And it's all timed. Okay. You have a certain amount of time that you have to do all this in and you're judged. And that's just so the So if you could one. make your drink, what would you make? Like, what? Well, well, like. Wow, I am so boring. I am a coffee person. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I am too, by the way. Like I just, I'm like straight up coffee. But if I'm going to have, like, if you're gonna, like, yeah. what would you do? It would honestly, it would probably have to be something. It would have to be something just smoky and nutty uh-huh. uh, with a little bit of spice to it. Okay. Um, I make a drink that Erdahl, the late owner of uh, Cafe Calypso, he would make me a drink called a B-52 whenever I was a kid. I have duplicated the flavors, but it was very much like a cream soda, just a little bit richer. Uh-huh. And they stopped making that syrup. Uh. And then he actually came up with a an adequate uh-huh. uh, representation of it. And then just a few years ago, I was messing around and I came back across, okay. I came up with the mix. Yeah. And so now I actually, I have a couple customers that they'll come in and ask for a B-52. So what's in a B-52? Uh, it's, it's, it's proprietary. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like- <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, if they get the B-52 the way I make it, it's three shots of espresso, half and half in milk. And it's, Caramel, toasted marshmallow, hazelnut, and Irish cream. Nice. And those, but it's not, I know it sounds sweet. People are like, oh my yeah. God, you can yeah. hear, you can hear Wilford Brimley in the back, diabetes. I was thinking to myself, that's a lot of sugar. I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not, it's, those are just the flavors that are in there. Uh-huh. Uh, that's not like full one ounce pump of each. I mean, you're not getting seven ounces of flavoring in there, but it tastes like a very, it's like cream soda kind of creaminess yeah. and just rich and smooth. And so I'll make them, they'll come in and ask for a B52 and they'll get a B52 Italian soda or they'll get a B52 latte. So you have a coffee truck that you're, you're, you're moving towards being in a coffee truck. Yes. Yeah. Doing your own thing. I just, I, last March I was coming back from New Mexico and a buddy of mine out of Austin was selling their coffee truck. Mm -hmm. Had an espresso machine in it already, had an ice machine in it already, had refrigerator, ended up buying the truck. And, uh, it's, it'll, it's, it'll be called golf roast coffee company. I already, you know, have all the paperwork and everything squared away. I'm working on, I just, this past week, I mean, it's an older truck, but the back, the kitchen area Mm -hmm. was built in 2018. Mm -hmm. And so every, all the equipment's got brand new suspension and plumbing and everything, but I'm good. And it's just coffee. It's, Uh I'll have, I'll have some finger foods and some other things like that, biscotti and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But it's, I'm a coffee guy. Mm-hmm. I was like, but it's, it's going to be fun. We're going with the 1980s, 1990s theme. Cause uh-huh. I'm, you know, I'm a product of the 1980s yeah. and nineties, you know, bright paint job and, you know, <laughs> geometric shapes and fanny packs and all, oh, thing, I love it. all things Miami vice, <laughs> but it'll, it'll just be me. It's, awesome. it's just going to be me to start with. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love the community that's starting to come around and I'm hoping here in the near future, we'll get some of these bar, you know, some of these uh, cafes yeah. and, to get together and start having latte art throwdowns on a regular basis. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I do not do uh, latte art. No. Uh, I did when I first started, 
Like making little hearts and flowers. And I am so bad at it. <laughs> I will gladly judge, but I am so bad. I'm, my hearts look like corgi butts. It, it, it doesn't even look like a heart anymore. Uh, I used to be able to do a tulip. Like a goat's ass. Yeah, I used to be a, used to be able to do a tulip and a in a in a rosette and all that you know all yeah. that fancy stuff. Lovely. But yeah, I if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. And you know, one of my acquaintances is like top notch when it comes to that latte art stuff. But I'm with the way the community is coming. I think we now have like four or five uh, coffee trucks mm -hmm. or trucks that are loosely associated or, you know, involved in the coffee deal. Yeah. A couple of them, I call them TikTok coffees because they specialize. They've got really sweet, you know, yeah. the cool stuff you TikTok see on TikTok. Coffees. That makes sense. Yeah. And so I call them TikTok coffees. Uh -huh. It's still good coffee. Uh -huh. But it's 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 what the youngsters is like. I'm familiar with people that come in and say, "I would like a macchiato," uh -huh. but they mean a traditional Italian macchiato. They don't mean a 32 ounce frozen right. you know, vanilla latte <laughs> with whipped cream. You know, I'm, a moo latte. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm I'm you know they'll I have my customers come in and like I want a Gibraltar. I would like a cortado, which I'm probably wrong, but I think they're the exact same thing. Itty bitty lattes. But I'm I'm more on the traditional side because that's how I was trained. Yeah. Uh, Marcy and Erdahl roasted started roasting their own beans. We have four, you know, fourteen or sixteen different coffees, mm -hmm. black coffees that we offer at the cafe. I love my African coffees. It's nice. it is the greatest thing in the world. Malawi Mizuzu to this you know I will die on that hill waving <laughs> that flag. It's a female owned cooperative out uh -huh. of Africa, uh, and a portion of the proceeds of ours goes to providing school desks. Nice. Into, you know, that's what our broker does. You know, all of our beans that we serve in, mm -hmm. in most, I believe most of the cafes here in the city, but especially us, I can say with hundred percent certainty, all of our beans are sustainably sourced. Mm -hmm. Our brokers, uh, they source these beans. They know their farmers, you know, they know where they come from and the, from seed to cup, mm -hmm. they follow this. That's good. It might not be labeled organic because, mm -hmm. Being labeled organic is essentially, even to, you've seen in the coffee community, uh, it's it's kind of you you're kind of sitting on the fence fifty fifty on that. Yeah. Um, USDA labeled organic is the equivalent of a surcharge using a credit card. I'm not I'm not a fan, by the way. I don't yeah. know if you know about my feelings about USDA organic, but yeah, I mean I purchased USDA organic because I that's to me that's more of like a vote to say. This is an industry we want to change. Yeah. But in terms of being someone that actually uh, would go for that certification, yeah. it, it you're right. It's, yeah, the, it's a the, money. That farmer doesn't get that money. Yeah. No. It's just yeah. there. I yeah. mean, we've got Rainforest Alliance and yeah. elephant friendly and yeah. bird friendly. <laughs> no, I could run down the list of some of the asinine. Now we're going to add regenerative to it, which by the way, regenerative is what I actually do, but now we're going to add a certification that, you know, I had to, I had if to, Walmart can get it. It's probably it's not regenerative anymore. Biodynamic. <laughs> biodynamic. Yeah. I, know I had to is. look that up <laughs> yes. because it was, it's more of a tea thing, uh -huh. but we've always, I mean, our brokers that we've, we've dealt with have always been very serious about sustainability and providing there, you know, a good selection, a wide selection of sustainably sourced beans. And they've offered to take us, you know, when we do the cuppings and stuff like that. But just because, you know, just ask, ask mm -hmm. the cafe, you know, where does this come from? Yeah. And, you know, give me a little history about it. You know, do you know anything about it? Like I said, our Malawi Mizuzu, it's a female owned cooperative. We have a Mexican, uh, uh, Mexican coffee from uh, Veracruz region. That's uh, actually labeled women power. Nice. And it's another female-owned cooperative. Really awesome bag, by the way. It's got a nice floral wreath and, you know, a hand. Very colorful. Nice. But, you know, it's just ask the cafe because your baristas, I can guarantee, they're a lot like me. They yeah. love talking about their coffees. <laughs> they love talking about their coffees. They got yeah. All right. It's time for us to do the random question of the week. <laughs> so um, let's see. I'll let you um, – here, why don't you do it like this and let me draw this time. Okay. There you go. We got we got five here, and I'll ask you whenever I draw one out. Looks like four. Or four. Sorry. Okay. Here we go. I'm going for this one. What would you most like to change in the world? Oh, my. What would I most like to change? The only thing that I could actually have 100% control over? Me. Yeah. It's, I mean, 
I would ideally like to change this or that, but right. really the only change that matters is the change that you do to yourself. Yep. Because it's, it's what people see. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would change. Do I know if there's something I'd want to change about myself? Ah, probably a little more humility. Yeah. Yeah. Even my customers will tell you. I was like, next to coffee, I'd love talking about myself more than anything. <laughs> but, uh, well, clearly so do I. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, just growth and change as an individual. Yeah. There is no higher, there, there's really no higher level or call than yeah. that because you, it's you. Yeah. It's like, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and mm -hmm. be happy, mm -hmm. then you've changed the world. You've changed the world. Yeah. I have such a different like belief about what the world is in our universal consciousness of understanding. What is the world? Right. And so, because I have this different thought process of what the world is, the world is an illusion to me. Yep. Right. So if that's the case, then there's nothing I can do to change the, to actually change the world. I mean, I can make magical, interesting things happen in the world, but if I actually want to change the world, it's about my internal, like, you know, spiritual interconnectedness with mm -hmm. the entire consciousness that created the world. And yeah. that's how I'll change things. And so, um, that's a big understanding to, um, think about. And I think, I, I hope that after the pandemic, a lot more people like began to wake up to that concept that like the only change that can actually affect anything is yeah. me. We were talking about politics and how yeah. politics is almost pointless now and for so many people um, because it's a, it's a, it's an, it's an endless fight. Well, and, and honestly, like you said, for the pandemic, for every one person that was upset about the pandemic and being locked inside, you had, you had another person that was using that time to really examine, I mean, yeah. where, where they are as a person, where they are in yeah. a relationship, I mean, where they are professionally, yeah. you know, there's a reason self-help books and personal growth, like had a surge during the pandemic, yeah. aside from us being bored out of our minds. Right. Yeah. You know, Life I, coaching. You know, <laughs> yeah. All that stuff. You know, all yeah. those, you know, I, I know so many people that life coach, uh, it's, it's just one of those things I'm like, yeah. What did I do with my time? Sure as heck didn't do any growth. I was <laughs> I was hopping around on crutches, but I saw it. I saw it in people because they yeah. going into the pandemic, they were one way. Yeah. Coming out of the pandemic, yep. you had to try not to be the, a different person. Yeah. I was definitely one of those people. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. It well, was such you. a treat. Thank you for going to the movie with me the other ah, night. I'm enjoying so building our friendships. Lots of fun. Yes. Thank you guys all for joining me and Lee at the dinner table tonight. As always, I appreciate your friendship. And if you want to support the podcast, go over to dinnertabletalks.com and click the button, support the podcast at the top there on the page where the notes and all the things like that. If you have questions about the podcast, you know how to get a hold of me. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please subscribe to my channel. And of course, you know that you can benefit any podcast by telling your friends about it, rating, reviewing, doing all those things to help us out. Thanks Lee for being here. Thank you for having me. It was a fantastic time. Yay. <laughs>